Welcome to Wholeness and Holiness Podcast. Here we will deepen your understanding of human and spiritual integration so you can live the life of peace and fulfillment God has for you. I'm your host, Margaret Vasquez. I hold a degree in theology and am a licensed professional clinical counselor and certified trauma therapist. Join me weekly for practical applications of the spiritual life. No part of this audio is to be used as mental health treatment or clinical advice. Please see a licensed mental health professional for personal consultation. Hi, and welcome to Wholeness and Holiness podcast. I'm your host, Margaret Vasquez, together with our co-host, Father David Tickerhoof, T-O-R. And today we are excited to talk about the journey from the false self to the true self. And as we get into that, really kind of makes sense to kind of define those terms because they're not terms that some people might be familiar with. And um, just so we have a kind of a common understanding. So really kind of look at the true self as that aspect of us that's made in the image and likeness of God. That that part of us that from the very beginning is um, is immutable in terms of being made in the image and likeness of God, son and daughter of God. And that's really who we truly are. And so that's what we refer to as the true self. And a s- simple identifiers of, um, of the true self are um, being calm, confident, and compassionate. And I'm kind of borrowing that from um, a school of thought called internal family systems. But to me, it boils down to those three factors, um, not the eight factors that, that they tend to talk about. So it kind of boils down, I think, to calm, compassionate, and confident. Um, and by contrast, the false self comes out of fear. It's, a, it's basically a fear response that's given over to responding out of fear, as opposed to responding out of love that the true self would be, would be acting from. And so that's kind of being our, our foundation that we kind of want to put out there. Then, then what Father David and I are going to be discussing is how do we make that journey? How do we transition from the false self to the true self? Cause that's really, that's really the journey that we're all on as we seek to grow in wholeness and holiness. You have any thoughts on that? Father David? Well, you were speaking about that, Martha. It's so very clear that, uh, it's a journey, and it's a, it's a process of transformation personally and grace. It's because of the fact that in our relationship with God, the more we come to an understanding of who he is and who he is within us and what he asks of us, we realize how deeply powerless we are in that. And so what happens is whether it's a, we're in our responding from true self or responding from the false self, we're still powerless. It's a way in which we relate to that as we move into the very heart of God and the heart of his life. And so the the process from the the false self to the true self is a process of conversion. And it's a, a three, threefold conversion of our relationship of compassion because we really generate the culture of compassion and the threefold compassion is really relating to our ourself in a true way and relating to God and receiving his compassion and love from the heart of the Father through the, his son Jesus. And then together with the those two 
relationships and relationships with others, we can reach out to others with genuine and true compassion. So it's a wonderful journey, but it's a hard journey to do. It's really the truth. You know, it's it's my passion for um, for human and spiritual integration because over the last 16 years of doing uh, as a professional counselor and trauma therapist, just seeing the pattern with people. And it, you know, it really bypasses any kind of demographic, any kind of limit, you know, it doesn't matter the age of the person or their gender, socioeconomic status, um, you know, from tiny little people (laughs) to older people and everywhere in between. When we experience powerlessness, boy, it really sure does boil everything right to the surface, like for good or for ill, you know, it's that moment um, where we really, I think, make that decisive like choice to respond in a sinful way or to respond in a fundamentally like courageous way, which that's remember CS Lewis saying um, that courage, he said courage is every virtue at its testing point. And, and you can see that when it comes to, to powerlessness, powerlessness is scary, right? It's scary. And so, um, and when that happens, then um, it sends us on, uh, a cycle, either a positive cycle um, that that leads to a deeper sense of intimacy with the Lord, or a negative cycle that leads us on disconnection and becomes a vicious cycle that continues to spiral. So, I think um, I think it's going to be helpful t- to kind of flesh these cycles out for our listeners because when we see that there's there's another way, right? There's another thing to do besides stay in this vicious cycle that continues to spiral downwards. Um, then it, it really becomes a game changer. It's in a lot of ways, um, though powerlessness still pinches, you know, our humanity, there's also a, there's a sweetness to the, to the bitter that's there when, when we know that, um, that we can accept it in love and that it draws us more deeply into love. So, um, so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna like let you discuss these cycles a little bit. Cause I think as we open these up, it's gonna, it's really going to be helpful to folks. Number of years back when I was on the Indian reservation, living on the Indian reservation about 15, 16 years ago, uh, I, uh, I was way overweight, and so what I decided to do was was to, to, to lose some weight. So I went to a person who really was an ideal health person, and she was excellent. She was excellent, excellent coach, too. And what she did was she kept reminding me that sugar is the enemy. What's the enemy here in this transformation from the false self to the true self? What's the enemy? Well, in the diet area, is uh, it's really in a sense is the en- enemy is sugar. So when you cut out a lot of carbs and sugar and you start eating more in a very simple way, I lost all kind of weight. I'm an unbelievable. Well, okay, now how how do we look at that in terms of spiritual transformation in ourselves and in our relationship? Well, who's, what's the enemy? Fear's the enemy. So when we feel this powerlessness, even in the good sense of it. What comes up in us is fear. So how do you handle that fear? You can either handle it in bad choices, as Margaret pointed out, or good choices. 
So to, to really, it's about fear is the enemy. And so when relating to fear, then what we do is we, then this will sort of bring up things like our weaknesses, our disconnection with ourself and God and others. It will bring up the, the things that we most struggle with, the things that are most humiliating to us. And so we're dealing with this powerlessness and fear. And so then anxiety can show up and all kinds of different things. And as as this happens then, we recognize that in the, this domain of moving from powerlessness and, and really, in a sense, moving to a deeper connection to God and a deeper sense of receiving his compassion, we, how do we deal with that? We move into a position of really moving forward. The question is, how do we make those choices? And when we make the choices, what kind of changes take place in us as we make them. I'm going to let Margaret say a little bit about that. So I'm just going to read right from these models that I was led to a number of years ago when I started seeing this pattern in in people in counseling and in myself as well, because I'm every bit as prone to, to fall into the, the challenging one here. Um, so the difficulty when we experience powerlessness, if we kind of default to a place of pride, then we end up behaving out of self-reliance, right? Now all of a sudden, oh gee, like this is, I don't, I don't like this experience of powerlessness, powerlessness. I'm going to assert myself in a, in a negative way and I'm going to rely on me. And then ultimately it's going to, it's going to fail because we're not all powerful. We're not, we're not omnipotent. Only the Lord is. And so in some way, shape or form, eventually it's going to break down and we're going to have experiences of inadequacy from that, which oftentimes I'll see leads to shame. And then from that shame to a greater sense of fear and anxiety, which only deepens the sense of disconnection and disconnection from myself because now I've, I have this sense of shame. So I have this part of me that wants power and yet this part of me that's radically aware that I don't have power in a situation. Um, even disconnection from the Lord because then I'm led to feel like, oh, why is God permitting these things? Why is he letting this transpire in such a negative way? Um, or even disconnection from others where, um, you know, I think when we become fearful. It's a very natural thing to want to identify an enemy. And we kind of, you know, kind of go, well, that person's the enemy or that person's the enemy. And if I can defend myself against you, then I'm safe. But we know it's, it's really, you know, the evil one and really like in a, in a real way, fear that are really the enemy. It's we're we're called to be in union with each other as the Lord prayed at the last supper. So we go from powerlessness to pride, to self-reliance, to inadequacy and shame, fear and anxiety, to disconnection. And that disconnection leads us back to deeper sense of powerlessness. And the cycle just continues and it just fuels itself and deepens. And until we're, we're so deep in the weeds in that experience of pain and confusion and frustration that then we become even that much more defended against other people, that much more closed down to God because we're kind of blaming him for the situation. Whereas if we look at the 
other pattern we can opt for is when we have those moments of experiencing powerlessness in situations that are are really painful to us in some kind of way or fear provoking instead of responding out of pride that leads to self-reliance we can take a stance of humility that leads us to rely on the lord and when we do that we know that even if the situation doesn't change, it changes us. It changes our hearts. It changes the way we're able to, um, to like experience the situation. Um, and it, it leads to a deeper gratitude. And then from that gratitude deepens our love and trust in the Lord. And then from that to a greater sense of connection, greater sense of intimacy with the Lord and that connection, that deeper connection to to the Lord, of course, because now we don't feel separated from him thinking I need to control it because he's somehow not good or somehow not all powerful. I need to take this into my own hands. We're, we're not doing that. So we're relying on him. So we feel a greater sense of connection to him. It keeps us more truly in the stance of who we are instead of kind of fractured within our personality of, um, the true self and also this very sinful inclination that kind of causes this fragmentation inside of us. And it also leads us to, um, to a greater ability to connect to others because now I'm not determining that everybody else is the enemy that I need to defend myself from and, um, is somehow a threat to me and in some sort of way. So when we, when we can identify those moments of powerlessness when they happen and catch them right there. And, and really, um, in, in a, in a way, I think it's a really kind of cool, really beautiful thing that that moment of, Oh, that pinch of powerlessness, if we let it kind of become, um, kind of our gut check of, Oh, this is a, this is my reminder. This is my moment of, of choice. And in that moment, choosing humility and reliance on God, that's really all we have to remember. We don't have to remember these elaborate patterns. We remember that and the rest kind of flows out of that fundamental choice. Thank you. I really appreciate uh, the details of that. That really makes things clear. And it kind of shows you internally, you know, where you're making choices in the direction of the true self or whether you're making choices in the direction of the false self. And so the beautiful thing about focusing on the true self is that God gives himself to us in grace. He pours out grace, and he pours out different types of grace. And and as we respond to that grace, we experience the communion and the transformation and the the uh, closeness with God, um, even a, in, a, in a better sense of uh, communion, because we he wired us for positive communion with him. He wired us to share his holiness with us. He wired us to really, in a sense, move forward in the predominant way of making good choices. And so when when we look at the true self, we recognize that we're going through a conversion we're really, in a sense, moving uh, to to a change of our life, a renewal of our mind, a renewal of our heart, 
uh, a deeper sense of of, uh, of 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 grace that's working in renewing the whole church and renewing individuals, and we're moving forward in that. And there's that sense of connection and integration and the uh, human and spiritual integration. And there's a good feeling and a good understanding of who we are as a person. And, and, and that touches the core of our being, and it touches our personal identity. So there's a whole process of knowing and understanding the teaching about how to do that and how to cooperate with the converting grace of the Lord and his work in our life. Um, so I'm going to give it to Margaret now. You know, the, it was actually when I was working at a um, what's it called? residential treatment center for kids and um, that vying for power that, that kind of emotionally disturbed kids can have that takes on um, like even sometimes like really violent kind of behavior and that kind of thing. And it really got me thinking about all of this and thinking, this is, this is how I see it. So you're welcome to challenge this, but is that I think a, a lot, if not, um, if not all of life in some ways really kind of boils down to us grappling with what do we do with our power and what do we do with our powerlessness? And if we use our power for ourselves in terms of good, authentic compassion, um, and, you know, because of that's, that's not a narcissistic thing. Again, just to review from previous podcasts, you know, we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves, as ourselves. So loving ourselves is a good thing when it's authentic love. Um, and, uh, and not, not narcissism or something. Um, if I use my power for myself, if I use my power for others. That's a good thing. You know, I think we can see examples of people using their power for others, um, in simple ways, you know, even stranger picking something up for somebody else who dropped it, you know, when you're in a store in a restaurant or something, you know, um, ultimately think of things like the Lord washing feet at the last supper or, or on, on the cross, of course, like laying down his power or what do we do with our powerlessness? You know, how do we navigate that? Do we navigate it in a way that, um, that leads to a breakdown of our personality or the, leads to a deepening in our personality and, and in who we're really called to become as we grow into the full stature of Christ. And, um, so in a lot of ways, like you can kind of see that. And it's funny, you know, if you think about us coming into the world, we're having this utter experience of powerlessness as a baby. I mean, like newborns are just raw vulnerability and powerlessness. And then as we get older and we, you know, now we're, we're kids or teenagers or 20 somethings. And now we're really kind of in the prime of life and we're really like in, in where we might be in tip top physical shape. And so now having that sense, at least on a physical level of power, um, but we're still left trying to gra- grapple with emotional powerlessness or powerlessness in situations or in relationships because it's, it's still there. And then you can see it as, as life goes on and we start to lose our ability to do this or that, that we used to be able to do. And again, back to navigating that powerlessness, but think how beautiful that the, the Lord really, you know, God, who's all powerful comes and lays down his power in utter act of powerlessness in, in, 
his passion and and death and then yet back to where does that lead back to <laughs> utter power in terms of the victory of the resurrection so you just see this constant like pattern of power and powerlessness and how to navigate that when we look at, at the life of the lord i uh, re- i really appreciate that explanation uh i returned from the uh, reservation oh i would say about 10 years ago and uh when the my superior came and said that we were moving out of the, the reservation in south dakota he asked me what i wanted to do and I wanted to, to uh, learn Spanish and work with the Hispanic people. And I wanted to go down to the Servants of the Cross in McAllen, Texas. And right on the border, right on the border, and right across from the border is Reynosa, Mexico. And he, had, he and his wife and others had worked together to develop a home mission and ministry to the Hispanic people. And, and I wanted to do that. So I went to study Spanish for a while. And then as soon as I felt like I, I had done enough intellectual work in the Spanish area, intellectually, I needed to get conversation. So when I was ready to move down there and I called my uh, superior, he had a change in plans for me, and it wasn't the one who gave me permission to go there. So I ended up spending the next number of years moving around for parochial situations in Texas and in Florida I developed the whole program of uh, transformation for training leaders in parishes and things like that. We have a number of parishes. But in and out, I was live with different friars and different brothers. But there's one brother in particular, and the reason I bring this up is, I, is living with him, he really had a sense of the dignity of the human person. He really extended himself to others, no matter what their situation was, especially those of the poor that were suffering or uh, whose loved ones were in prison or or the different things. And this brother, his, his life stands out in a very simple way as really living from the core of his appreciation of human dignity and the human worth and the human value that God gives us. And I took that from him, and I've always admired that uh, about him. And I really, in a sense, have tried to make the internal changes when I am tempted to give in to excessive selfishness and here and there, to remember that, that as even if you're at a counter buying groceries and someone's helping you, they're not functional. It's not a, just a functional thing. It's a relationship thing. The relationship thing, and so so that other person that's a person that God created and loves, and so we should always approach our those that we relate to in a positive way, even when we feel that that powerlessness. We should really relate in, in from the viewpoint of a, a human dignity and what God has done in creating them that way. You know, that's so true, and I I just think of situations of um i think situations where people use their power for other people in terms of martyrs right you think like maximilian colby think people like that who like lay their lives down and and surrender their power for the sake of others um and then think by contrast of people who take up their power over other people in terms like like the Nazis, you know, or something like, or slavery or things like that, that are, um, just that internal response we have to, to, 
people using their power for others or over others. I think it really hits at the core of who we are. It really gets to your heart quickly, even if you don't know the people involved. I think it really speaks to the truth of how we're called to live and imitation of the Lord. You have something there you want? Let's, uh, yeah. In working with uh, Margaret for the last number of months, uh, I'm, I'm always I always appreciate very much how she really appreciate looks herself at the the kind of qualities that we have to bring about human and spiritual integration. And uh, there's five basic areas that we really, in a sense, she identifies. And I'm just going to name them and then let Margaret say what she wants to about this whole notion. And it ties into the core of who we are and our identity and our relationship with God, with self, and with others. And those those areas are, first of all, that we're chosen by God in a special way, that we're really accepted by him in a special way. Secondly, we're known by him. So we have a, 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 a intimacy and, and, and we have a vision of our relationship with God. And it keeps going as we're going through conversion. As being known by him and valued by him really touches the core of our view. And then the third area is being valued by him leads us to uh, humility and uh, in our relationships. And uh, we, we, in a certain sense, as a Franciscan, I talk about that as minority, you know, the lesser brother. And then the the next area is the area of boundaries, which we'll probably deal with at another time. And um, so we we find uh, the his protection comes to us when we have good boundaries with ourselves, with others, and with God. That always helps us. And then finally, the fifth one is openness reveals the authenticity of our relationship with God. And when we walk in uh, the light of Christ, we have sincerity and truth. And that, that really is the transformation and the qualities uh, of formation. It's really formation, that we really go through formation in this process of moving from the false self to the true self. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, we've we if you're interested in more on these aspects of um, of human and spiritual integration and um, and connection, check out some of our previous podcasts because we really fleshed these out in a few of the the previous podcasts. But um, these pillars of connection, as I would look at them, um, I just I kind of like it because I'm I'm much more wellness oriented, even in terms of health, I'd rather, I'd rather work out, eat organic, take supplements than have to have, you know, whatever, um, medical issues that then lead to having to take, um, a lot of prescription medicine that then causes a lot of side effects, you know, and that kind of thing. So on a physical level, I'm a lot more oriented towards wellness care and I am on a human and a spiritual, um, kind of level as well. So, um, so that's why I kind of really like this because I think when, when we're able to focus on these core areas, living these with the Lord, living these in relationship to ourselves and to others, then we can focus on growth instead of focusing on mopping up the mess <laughs> that, that our lives can become. So um, thank you for this conversation, Father David. And um, I just want to let our 
our listeners know that if they want to get more connected to us, we're actually now doing um, parish and diocesan healing seminars. And so shoot, shoot us an email, go on sacredhearthealingministries.com website. There's contact form. You can get in contact with us and um, have us into to your place, your diocese, your parish, um, or shoot, um, shoot me an email. Um, if you want to know more about Father David's book, it's available on Amazon, Evangelizing Catholic Culture. And my books are on Amazon as well. More Than Words, The Freedom to Thrive After Trauma and Fearless Abundant Life Through Infinite Love. So um, we would love to come to your parish and do a healing seminar. Uh, we have a few of those in the works and really excited about that because the same things we've been able to offer on healing retreat, not able to make it so much more available on a really broader scale. So we hope to see you some someday in the, in your parish. So thank you so much for taking the time to listen to us and may the Lord give you peace. Thank you for joining me for today's show. Please subscribe and share and check us out on wholenessandholiness.com. Follow and like us on social media and to learn more about Sacred Heart Healing Ministries, please go to sacredhearthealingministries.com.